third time's a charm. It is so good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us this morning, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, you honor us with your presence, and we hope that uh, you being here will be an encouragement. As many of us have experienced, gestures that were not appropriate at all. And then finally, rolling down her window, she yells out, demanding that the man go. Through the honking horn, the yelling, eventually... Just as the light is turning yellow, the man eases through the red light. She stopped. Now she has to wait through another cycle. But her anger is boiling. And so she continues to beat the steering wheel, bang on the dashboard... ...that is pointed right in her... that seems somewhat shaky. And he demands, ma'am, I need to see your driver's license and I also need to see anything that would identify you as being the owner of this car. She's... ...all times. And then as he evaluates all the information... He hands them back and says, I'm sorry, ma'am. It was just a misunderstanding. He said, you see, I've been sitting behind you throughout all of your ordeal. And he said, when I heard the window and the way that you were acting, and then I looked at your bumper that had on one side, follow me to Bible class. And then the other side said, what would Jesus do? And between that, you had your big chrome fish emblem. The car had to be stolen. This morning, I need to consider that my words not only communicate to other people my dedication or lack of dedication to God, but I also must realize this morning that my words things that God will not tolerate. We're living in a time when humanity is possible. the day and we just think, I wish I would not have to hear music, even video games, writing. And of all things, it seems to be creeping up even more so in the news media. Why? Perhaps they're simply reporting descriptions of our culture. One psychologist has actually said that part of the reason why we're turning into a culture that is profane in our land is a me generation where the
staying here. How many times have you seen or heard of situations where someone will say to, maybe it's a spouse talking to another spouse, or maybe it's a parent talking to a child, and they will say, shh, we don't talk like that. It's being said that the home is more important than the individual. And the home does not have that kind of value structure, so therefore the the person, the individual, should submit whatever they're feeling at the moment and sacrifice the tendency to act out in whatever way they want to the core value system that represents... core values that are greater than I. It's realizing that on this earth, we're a part of institutions that are much more important than us individually. And so the psychologist is... Because they don't... ...institutions in an unselfish way. That actually profanity action against the home. It's an action against the church and religion and God. In other words, almost, perhaps even if it's subconscious, gives somebody the feeling when they can use that profanity to say, I'm my own person now. I'm in the driver's seat. Notice, I didn't care who heard me say that. I didn't care if it were my family. I didn't care if there were religious people around. I'm in control. When we think about profanity, and we think about the text that we have just had so capably read for us, we think about how every idle word must be answered. If you remember throughout the series, from time to time, charts from an extensive research that was done by surveying several thousand people by the Barna Research Group, and they've what percentage of the people would say in America today that these behaviors are morally acceptable? And as you see on the first slide there, you see several things. Notice there as we speak of profanity, it says 36%. Now that... In a sense, it's staggering. Now, when we look at media around and we listen to the, just the conversations in our workplace and schools and etc., I guess we can't say it's staggering. But at the same time, I'd like to believe that I don't live in a country where 36%, more than one out of every three individuals will say, there is nothing morally wrong with profanity. But more than one-third of Americans today would say, Don't discipline my children over that. There's nothing wrong with profanity. They wouldn't say, respect people at the workplace. Why? There's nothing wrong with profanity. People just need to realize we're living in 2004. Now, without dwelling too long on this, keep in mind the evangelicals are those not that describe themselves as that, but the way they answered certain questions to Barna's research, he described them as that. And what it kind of boils down to, Here's the distinguishing part. 
relationship with Jesus Christ should affect the way they live each day of the week. Now, with that in mind, it's really amazing that even 7% of those people affect their relationship every day of the week. 7 would say, there's nothing wrong with profanity. Now, what we're going to see from Scriptures today is the only thing that Jesus ought to rule their life, but then we'll turn around and say there is nothing wrong with profanity. How sad that is. Now, of course, the next column of those born again are those that believe that they are saved by Jesus, those that attend worship service, but they don't necessarily believe that their relationship with God ought to affect each day of their life. And so, with that in mind, we see that only percent of those individuals believe that profanity is acceptable. Now, see, we're seeing a big difference now with those that believe that they are responsible at all. And of course, there's no surprise, I suppose, that atheists, 68%, would say that nothing is wrong with profanity at all. The text that was read this morning helps us realize how we are responsible for our idle words. But let's drop back and look at three analogies from three verses that led right up to this text this morning. And we can read it on the screen, or if you'd like to open your Bibles to Matthew, the 12th chapter, we'll begin reading at verse 33. Matthew, the 12th chapter, beginning at verse 33. Note these analogies here and what we can learn about the tongue. Either make the tree good and its fruits good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. And then we have another illustration. Brood of vipers will speak good things, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Now, the illustration of a man and calling his heart the treasures of the heart. Things. Here we see the three analogies. We can't go to a tree that always produces bad. that he clearly establishes in the very next verse, in verse 34. You see, what's in the heart now is what will ultimately pass through the lips later. It's only a matter of time. It may be in the next few minutes, it may be in the next few days, or the next few months. But young and old, I need to hear this loud and clearly right now. If profanity slipped through my lips, if using God's name in vain using slang words that bring God down. If those things are coming through my lips, where we need to begin today, not because you and I thought this up, because this is where Jesus began, where we need to begin today before we talk about the specific words, is we need to realize something is terribly heart. The heart does not praise God for who He is. The heart is not esteeming God. And so, as we talk about profanity this morning, by saying, I'm just going to watch every word that passes through my mouth only. 
Of course we have to guard the words that pass through our mouth, but that's not where it begins. That's step two. Step one is to say, how He is, then I can expect profanities to come from my mouth. It starts in the heart and it passes through the lips. Now notice the brood of vipers. I wonder how many of you would say, now that's a real smart fellow right there. If we had a cage up here with poisonous snakes filled, a brood of vipers, we had several poisonous cage, and a guy walks you know, that's always what comes right before. Foolish if you'll stop and think about it. And watch this. And he opens, and he just reaches in, and he starts shaking them up. He's bitten. He closes the door. And he starts getting sick. And he's surprised. I can't believe this. I, I feel like I may die. What'd you expect? Well, I thought something good would come from poisonous snakes. Oh, I, I thought it really didn't matter how I reverence God. I didn't think that would affect my speech. You see, those two things are the things he links together in verse 34. Brood of operas. How can you being evil speak good things? And then he says, from out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I can't shake up poisonous snakes and expect good things to happen. I can't have a heart that's not set up on God and expect for my speech to remain pure. So the point again, for emphasis sake, is this. If I'm struggling with profanity, my heart has already struggled and failed in its relationship with God. I must work on my heart. I need to repent of some things. I need to set back my focus upon God. I need to get things right in the heart. And then, as Psalms 141 and verse 3 and 4 would say, then ask God to guard our lips. Now, let's look at that third analogy. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. What does your heart treasure? You know, if we started around the room right now, everybody could tell some things that, that their heart treasures. I've said to Colton for quite some time, I said, now, when you guys get grown, and you're going to be a young man, and you're going to be struggling out, starting your family, you're going to watch your dad drive up in a nice four-wheel drive truck that's been lifted with big tires on it. And I said, you're going to say to yourself, what's that old man doing in a young man's truck? And you just know that that old man is finally getting his dream that he's wanted since he was a teenager. Can't afford it now. Can't afford to keep it up. Doesn't hold enough people. But one of these days, the old man will get it. And as a matter of fact, if you want to know something that's just crazy, I even dreamt last night that I bought one. And then bought it from Termite. That was... It's a pretty truck. What's in your heart? What's... What's the treasure in your heart to say, you know, that's just been there a long time. One of these days, I'd like to see that fulfilled. We can have some of these things that they're more just wishes and wants. God ought to be in the depth of our heart. More than anything, I want a right relationship with God. More than anything, I want to see God for who He is. 
More than anything, I want God to be the treasure of my heart. And when God is the treasure of my heart, the right words are going to pass through my lips. When God is not the treasure of my heart, I'm going to say, whoops, I shouldn't have said that. And bottom line is, I shouldn't have said it because my heart isn't right with God. And so we look in the Scriptures and say, what is it that we can make in our, right, our life and our words right with God? Let's look to save some time at the screen right here, some grim facts, some idle words. And I want us to read four passages here to save some time. And as we look at these four passages, let's go, as we look at these passages, the reason I put grim facts is not because the Bible is... is saying the Bible's grim facts. I'm saying when we look at a society around us that's just full of profane and using God's name in vain and people use slangs like gosh. It doesn't take a genius to figure out what the slang is for gosh. It doesn't take a genius to figure out what is the slang when someone says lordy. You want everybody throwing a while on the end of your name and using it? God doesn't look lightly at these things. God looks at profanity as one of the most serious acts against Him. And the reason I say that is because when He gave the Ten Commandments, there was only four commandments that He gave in man's relationship to Him. Only four commandments in the Ten Commandments is man's relationship with God. And one of those, it's number three, and you're reading it there in Exodus 20 chapter and verse 7. Not only look at the commandment, but look at the promise that He gives if it is disobeyed. You shall not take the name of your Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Oh, it's just a little word. God says, "Uh uh-uh. You misuse words about me and you will be found guilty. Remember the text that we're reading from this morning. He says, we'll give an answer on the day of judgment. So when he's talking about guilt here, he relates how we use our tongue in relationship to him as it is relating to the day of judgment. We will not be found guiltless if we misuse our tongue toward God. James 2 and verse 7, bringing it to the new covenant. Do they not blaspheme? Now notice how dangerous it is. It's not just any name. Blaspheme that noble name by which you are. God's name doesn't deserve to be brought down into common language. God's name doesn't deserve to be thrown around like a household word. God is the name by which we are saved, Acts 4 and 12. It is the name that we should reverence. It is Him and His name that we worship when we gather together to worship. James 3 and 10, Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Do you know in the first century that there were wore the name Christian that went around and used God's name in vain? Do you think they cursed when they ought to be blessing? Absolutely they did. And that's why James says it can't be that way. God will not accept such hypocrisy from individuals that call themselves Christians to misuse their language towards God. Colossians the third chapter and verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And God helps us to understand what the definition of blasphemy and filthy language is. Let's define a couple of these words. Let's go to the next screen. Let's define blasphemy. As you see there, blasphemy is vilification. 
especially against God, blasphemy, evil speaking, railing. In other words, it is to say anything. Vilification, if we were to find that, a part of the definition of that is to say anything rude against another. Friends, when God is the Almighty, the Creator, sitting high on a throne, anything that you and I say that makes Him common and every day is rude to God. It's vilification. It's profaning. And we'll look in just a moment what profaning is. But notice this verse in John 10 and 33. John 10 and 33, we see the Jews uh, being addressed here. And Jesus and them are talking back and forth. And they are so angry at God, that, they, uh, that Jesus, that they want to kill Jesus. And John 10 and 33 says, The Jews answered Him saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. That is somewhat a description of blasphemy. In other words, Jesus said, okay, I've been going around doing a lot of good things and you want to stone me. Just tell me, what's the one good thing that I've done that you want to stone me because I've done that good thing? And the Jews say, we're not stoning you because of a good work. We're stoning you because of your mouth and your attitude. What's your mouth and your attitude? Jesus says, You are blaspheming, or the Jews say of Jesus, you're blaspheming God. Why? Because you brought yourself on the same level with God. Now, for Jesus, that wasn't blasphemy because He was God on earth, John 1. He was God in flesh, John 1 and 14. But if you and I start speaking on the same level, it's blasphemy. That's why we don't lead a prayer and say, Daddy, how are you doing today? It's blasphemy. We're not on the level with God. God is high and lifted up. And if throughout each day I get a surprise and say, Jesus Christ, that's blasphemy. That's using God's name in vain. It's making that which ought to be wholly common. And if anything, it's simply disrespectful. Let's define the next word. Let's see also the definition of profane. Now notice here we we have from the base word, belos, A threshold. That's interesting. We can really mentally envision this, and it helps us to understand. Oftentimes, when I think in my day-to-day life whether or not something is profane, profanity, profane, I oftentimes picture the definition of this word, the threshold, stepping through the threshold. Now, as we look at the rest of this, in other words, it is crossing the doorway, heathenism, uh, wicked, profane, Person. It can be profaning a person, profaning God, uh, profaning that which would be holy. For example, today, you know, there, there is an attack against the institution of marriage. Well, who designed marriage? You and I didn't design it. God designed it. So if we attack marriage, we're profaning marriage. Well, what is profanity? The idea of profanity is a doorway. It's stepping across into that which is holy, but it's treating it as if it were common. Now, a visual... Uh, illustration from the scriptures that we can identify with quickly. Most of us can what the, the temple must have looked like, the holies and the most holy. And there was that threshold into the most could step into the most holies once a year. Only the high priest once a year. Now, imagine with me, if you will, you run into it, you're back in the days of, of that time period of the, of the temple. And imagine you run into a merchant, and the merchant says, Hey, don't come here tomorrow. I'm in the marketplace. I'm going to get everybody's
for the threshold in the most holy, God will strike you for that. You can't make the most holy place profane by just selling merchandise. I can understand that. Taking that which is common and crossing the threshold and making it a part of that which is holy. We can't bring God down to being our buddy. Any time words pass through my mind that refer And it's you. Look how beautiful it is. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow those in. What a beautiful opportunity we have to use our tongue. To praise God. To say, I want Jesus to be the ruler of my life. Yesterday, in the teacher's workshop that uh, we had uh, yesterday afternoon, one of the teachers, Andy Conley, made a real good point from the Scriptures, and he was using, I I can't remember, it may have been this passage, but if not one similar to this, that is using the word confess. And the root of the word confess here is to agree with. So notice what's being said here. of us here. He followed Jesus. He just wanted to be close. 
Matter of fact, he said, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus says, no, you won't. You'll deny me three times. And he denied the first time, and he denied the second time. And the crowd was gathering around, and I'm sure Peter must have felt, they're going to take my life. I see what they're doing to Jesus, and I'm going to be next if I don't separate myself from Jesus. So what does Mark tell us that Peter did to separate himself from a follower of Jesus? In other words, Peter wanted to do something where they would immediately know, okay, you're right, you're not a follower of Jesus. The Scripture says he began to curse and swear. And apparently they accepted the fact that he's not a disciple of Jesus. Because disciples of Jesus do not bring God down in their speech. He went out and he wept bitterly. I need to... It's not just a poor selection of words. I have just spoken against my Father in heaven. Something's wrong when in religious settings, afterwards, we're visiting in the foyer, and it's common to hear people say profanities. Woman in the grocery store the other day said, Lordy, did you hear that boy curse? Which was worse? You're going to choose some curse words that have nothing to do with God and then use God's name in vain and go to the Scriptures and say, which one's worse? I don't know. Both of them are sin. But I can tell you this, there's one that's addressed in the Ten Commandments and there's one that's addressed all throughout the Scriptures and that is using God's name in vain. I've misused my tongue in the worst way it can be used when I speak against my God in profanities such as using His name in vain. I need to be broken hearted. I need to break those habits. And I need to get clear in my mind to recognize that God's name will never pass through my mouth again unless it is in a rightful manner. Adoration. Appreciation. A few days later, Jesus goes back and He talks with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Three times he had him to say, Lord, you know I love you. Three times he'd used his mouth against Jesus. And three times Jesus had him to come back, not to ask him, say that day about me. He asked him, Do you really love me? Friends, if I had to pick one area today a religious culture for not taking serious that will separate them more quickly from God than anything, this would be one of the top three. And I want to urge you to realize this morning, if I'm misusing my tongue, I need to know that what Jesus is not only going to ask me about is what, how I'm using my tongue. He's going to ask me, do you even love me? This morning, let's make sure that we leave here with a renewed heart that says, I do love you, God. 
And you can listen to my words this week and I'll prove to you by my words. I love you. I love you with all my heart. And my tongue will prove it. This morning, there's no greater thing that we can do to give our heart fully to God. That will help with all the issues of life, Proverbs teaches us. And so if you've never become a follower of Jesus, if you've never devoted your Jesus, maybe you're longing to do so. Maybe you've even tried at one point or another, but now you know fully what you need and want to do. And you want to repent of sins and be confessed before man that Jesus is the Son of God and be baptized into Christ for remission of sins. Please do that this morning. What a wonderful way to use the tongue to say, yes, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And with that confession saying, I'm in agreement with His will. Maybe you've been baptized into Christ and somewhere along the way, you've lost what you ought to be. Please don't let arrogance stop you from returning to what God wants you to be. Tongues, let's use our heart in service to Him. If you need to repent and confess sins and pray forgiveness, if we can help and encourage you anyway, come as we stand, as we sing.